What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a uh, another week of Half Circle Back. Uh, it's episode eight. We are uh, back in the saddle after a brief hiatus. I'm here with uh, with my co-host 4H Tim. What's going on, man? What's going on, man? How you been? Uh, surviving, man. That's a uh, that's about all I can say. Um, I was uh I was sick for like the past week, so kind of uh finally recovering from that and. Getting back into the swing of things. What about you? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I've oh, shit. I've been at home. I can't work. So, uh, yeah, I've just been back in good old uh, not Alabama. I forget you're in Georgia. I was about to say Alabama, but yeah. I mean, actually, I'm, in, I'm actually in Alabama, but uh, technically, but. I mean, we don't claim you anymore, so it's all good. But I'm gonna remember this. This is, now, <laughs> this is definitely, this is definitely an audio <laughs> form, and we, we actually, and our guest is also here. So if you, if you, even if you try to like slide your way out of that, I'm like, hey, yo, dap. <laughs> uh, you remember that time when Greg was like, Tim is in Alabama no more. He's gonna be like, yeah, and I'm like, gotcha ass. Nah, I mean, Tim, were you ever part of Alabama? I mean, part of Georgia? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, at one point, you know. At, at one point. One for point. how long, though? Like, man, it was, actually, actually, it was for a long time, actually. I feel like I'm more Georgia than you, but maybe not. Uh, maybe because, you know, Georgia, you know what? I'm not going to get into it. But, yeah, so, you know, I've been affected by <laughs> the COVID-19 crisis. So, uh, unfortunately, I can't work right now. So, I've just been chilling for the past couple of days. I'm about to start. Hitting up some of these backlog of things I gotta do, games I'm gonna play. Um, it's the best time to do it right now. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, think about starting uh, Orient the Blind Forest tomorrow. Then, after that, starting Will of the Wisps. So, yeah. got it all planned out, man. Yeah, man. I'm gonna eventually start playing Final Fantasy 15 at some point. Maybe. I've- Unfortunately, I'm still working, so hey, <laughs> kind man. of, uh, hey, kind yeah, of the I'll, nature of that. I'll take your spot, man. You know what I'm saying? I'll take Ooh, your... I don't know if you want that. Uh, look, man. After what I just went through in Texas, <laughs> I, I'll do anything. So, Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> I guess with that, um, we went ahead and, uh, again, it's still kind of slow because of the tournament season, so we ended up... Uh, Bringing on another uh, another guest, so I'm gonna go ahead and kick it to you, Darius, to uh, go ahead and give a brief introduction of yourself. All right, what's going on, guys? I'm Darius I'm from uh, Georgia. Most of you all know me as Dap Vip. Um, you know, pretty much known as the Marvel vs. Capcom player here in Atlanta. 
Uh, that's pretty much the first game that got me into the FGC community. Uh, I know a lot of you guys seen uh, several of my videos, the tournament matches. Uh, my team is uh, Dante X twenty three Ironman. I see. I see you just the, uh, the, the you, best Ironman in the business. I see you just, just stroking yourself here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just you know, like, I just letting people uh, know what the deal is. Like, I just want to make sure people understand who I am. They say, yeah. "Oh, you guys want me on your show." They, you know, they got to say, "Oh, wow, this is actually a pretty good guest to have on the show." So, <laughs> well, well, I mean. I, I mean, you're not on the show because of your Iron Man play. <laughs> hey, look, have. I just want to. No, this is part of it. It's part of it. It's part of it. You're not here. You're not here. You hear me because you're a TO now. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call no. me a TO now. I'm, I'm semi retired. You know, <laughs> that's what they all say, right? You never Indeed. truly retired from FGC. I know. I've know. retired. I've tried to retire countless times, but you know, the the passion for the game and the community just keeps me coming back. So, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you guys feel the same way. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I know uh, with the virus and everything like that is affecting everyone in the communities, but we still find a way to move on. I know, right. uh, but yeah, like. What was it? The, the the game that got me even started with the community was Marvel versus Capcom three. Um, man, now, now yeah. I do have a question. So that so was that the first? Um, so I guess when you did get into the uh, Georgia FTC, was that the first game that got you in, or were you playing anything else before that? So the funny thing about it is that I've been playing fighting games since I even knew how to play video games, probably when I was like four years old, but I played it casually. Like even when I was right. growing up, I would play in the arcades, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was just pressing buttons yeah. and stuff was just happening on the screen. And, you know, that that was a uh, wild me and everything like that. Now, my first introduction into the actual FGC community, I think was when I got into my first year of college in 2009. When I went to mm -hmm. Georgia State, I was hearing a couple of my friends play Smash Bros. It's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my, like, it, it, it was funny because I didn't know the guys at the time. I just heard Smash Bros. Uh, brawl uh, here in the background in the dormitory. And I went to go check it out, and I was like, man, y'all playing Smash? <laughs> I bet I can beat y'all easily, no problem. And uh -oh, then before boy, I know it, it starts. Yeah, before I know it. And then you got I, rolled up. Yeah, I got destroyed. I was like, I didn't know what I got myself into. Uh, but those guys have been close friends of mine uh since then for almost 10 years. And uh and it was funny enough, like they saw me play Marvel versus Capcom 2 uh one day. And uh, they played me in that, and I, you know, they couldn't run up on me in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. My team was Strider, uh, what, Iron Man, the Cable, some Spider Man, like just a <laughs> random oh, select team of favorite characters. <laughs> that sounds like like my, my Marvel 2 team, it was like it was probably equally bad. It was like Guile, uh, Ken, and I forgot who else my third was, but it was it was pretty bad. Yeah, indeed. So uh, yeah, uh, when Mar yeah, like I I met them as soon as Marvel Three was about to release, and they showed me uh, SRK Shoryuken. I never even seen SRK or even know the website, and I checked it for the first time, and I you know introduced me to Gutex, Mike Ross, SM Adventures, all that stuff, uh, the forums. 
uh, went to the Atlanta uh, Forum, and you know, it was crazy nonsense back in the day. Iceman, oh, yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure you guys know who Iceman is. Like, oh, yeah. Just running the chat <laughs> and being the mob for it, just call, causing mayhem. And, you know, uh, back yeah. in the SRK days, I never even went to the Georgia thread. I think oh. actually I went in there one time. I was, um, I mostly was, I mean, it took me a long time to even find out that Bama had one, but like yeah. I ended up stumbling on that. And then mm-hmm. I would kind of look into some of the other regional forums, but like I think I went yeah. to the Georgia one one time just to find out about uh, ACL Revival. Oh man, it was a sight um, to behold, bro. Even Marcus, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, Potato Salad, he was in part of the uh, the thread as well. So I'm kind of pretty surprised that, uh, that you haven't uh, heard about it, you know, because uh, yeah. that's how I met Marcus. And, uh, and, and like uh, I went to was a, a play and trade tournament for Marvel versus Capcom three, oh, uh, and that was my very first tournament, and How'd and I ended, I ended up winning the tournament surprisingly. It's wow. crazy, right? It's like you never hear that story of oh it's your first tournament. Oh man, just take it easy. Don't get too upset if you go zero and two or something like that. I mean. I played Marvel vs. Capcom 3 Vanilla, I think, religiously. Like, I was addicted to that game, and my roommate, he was, like, like on it as well. And so we basically just kept challenging each other to find, like, techniques, combos on SRK, you know, and just train and practice. And then I was like, all right, let's go, let's go out to this tournament real quick. And at the time, my roommate was better than me, mm-hmm. but he played on a stick. Oh, you were and, a pad, uh, pad player. Man. Yeah, and I was a pad oh, and stick player. I could play on either or. And, oh, okay. And the play and trade tournament said that you could only play on pad. <laughs> so my roommate did not come with me. And I felt like he would have won <laughs> if he had came with me. <laughs> <laughs> out of curiosity, who was the roommate? Uh, Sam Carlson. Uh, is white chocolate. Oh, Tim Nail, I guess. Yeah, uh-huh. I remember Sam. Sam was really cool. You know what's yeah. funny? You talk about vanilla, mm-hmm. and like I remember hating vanilla so much, like after like maybe a month, because um, I remember when vanilla first was coming out, and like I remember Walmart getting like yeah. the uh, like the, you could play it early, and yes. I remember spending like two days into a Walmart laying on her floor. Like me and the boys. <laughs> hey man, it and like real literally, like real literally grind. Yeah, like uh, uh if you you know Mayho, right? Yeah, like you guys Mayho. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we drove, we drove down to my hometown in um Hinesville, Georgia, because we were both going to Statesboro, uh, yes. Georgia Southern, mm-hmm. and uh we literally went down there to like the Hinesville Walmart, and uh-huh. we were just laying there playing Marvel Three. Oh my and we're god! All, we're, and we're all we're all there. We brought we brought a wireless pad. So like it's thinking up to like the Xbox and the, uh, and the kiosk. They always <laughs> just be playing it on the floor while people pat like just shoppers just walking past y'all. Y'all just on the floor just chilling. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. but and like and it, it was during that time, right? Because like you, like because that's when like Walmart and Kmart would be breaking yeah. like street dates of games. Uh huh. And so. <laughs> so we definitely got it early. Like, yeah, wow, that's crazy! Y'all are tripping, man. Because like, we never got a chance to get the games early here in Georgia. We didn't know anybody who worked at GameStops uh, at the time or anything like that. We just had to wait. We went to that Fight Club that Shin Blanca had hosted. Yeah, I remember? Uh, I remember. Yeah, I went to that as well. Uh huh. And that was the first time, like, kind of taste that we got of the game, and it was awesome, man. 
Uh, and then like after that, we were just like on the news site look, look, looking for as much updates of the game. We we're like keeping like uh, our eyes peeled on like seeing what characters gross. Like my team at the beginning was zero X-23 Iron Man. <laughs> and I, I kind of regret to this day. It's like, why did I even drop zero? If I had kept it, man, what would have happened? <laughs> well, yeah, you got you got a point there. Indeed, and, I can uh, see Darius doing lightning loops now, <laughs> just like <laughs> lightning loops. Hey man, you might actually want a major man. Yeah, dirt nap, all kinds of nonsense could have happened unfold. But yeah, man, it's like so that was the game that got me into the scene. It was like, um, I, it was probably my favorite uh, fighting game of all time. It probably it still is my favorite fighting game of all time. Uh, but nowadays, uh, you guys see me have moved on to Street Fighter Five. And yeah. um, I chose Street Fighter Five as to be the next game that I wanted to play, simply because is that I didn't get into Street Fighter Four, uh, and it was like one of the most popular fighting games outside of Marvel. And I was like, well, I wanted to at uh, least keep up with the community uh, in that aspect. Where uh, if Street Fighter continued, mm-hmm. then I'm pretty sure it's going to have another large player base. Unfortunately. Uh, Street Fighter Five launch was rough, and I mean there were still a lot of people that played it. But you know, as you guys know, uh, most of the Street Fighter Four community didn't uh, gravitate towards it. So yeah, I mean it still has its own scene, and our scene here in Georgia is still strong. We still have uh, about fifteen twenty people that play on a on a consistent basis. I'm one of those people. I mean it helps that I play Cami, who's you know. Uh, no, uh, I, I do want to ask. Yeah. What made you want to play Cammy? So you played Cammy back in Street Fighter Four, correct? Nope, I did they not play Cammy in Street Fighter Four. I played Guy in Street Fighter Four. Yeah. That's how I even I, know about yeah the Alabama uh, scenes wow. because uh, Maurice, nice one, he was my teacher for Guy when I was playing Street Fighter Four. <laughs> it was hilarious. Wow. Yeah, I met nice one. I met Tim, uh, you know, through Marvel Three. Uh, and I met Maurice. Uh, nice I remember I, I, I yelled at you one time. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's funny because uh, Darius is usually the one yelling at everybody else because yeah, uh, cause, yeah. Uh, indeed. Uh huh. And uh, I played Cammy because she plays like S twenty three. That's the only reason why I played Cammy. Really? Because I, X- I'm trying to think. So I, well, I don't know enough about X twenty three, but like, how does that? You no, know she does have a dive kick. They both have dive kicks. Yeah, they both have okay. dive kicks. That's one of the similarities. X twenty three's dive kick is better because it's plus everywhere. <laughs> uh, but hey, let me see her jump on top of the screen and do a dive kick. You know, don't plus. worry. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, do a cross uh, with Iron Man. But now X twenty three's like rush down heavy. She's always in your face. Like she stays on top of the opponent and like. Cammy has that similar type of play style where she's like in your face. She has plus normals that you have to really guess like how to get her off of you. And um, uh, her walk speed is just one of the best walk speed in the game. I tried playing Ryu and I felt the difference of walk speed. I was like, okay, yeah, I cannot play any character that has <laughs> even a moderate amount of, of walk speed. It has to be someone with high, fast walk speed in Street Fighter Five. Right. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, we can go ahead and start moving into um, what's your involvement in the uh, Georgia FGC so far? 
Okay, so yeah, I'll tell you guys how I started becoming a TO. Um, it's like uh, I was a competitor. I went to our local tournaments called Battle and Brew, like on a consistent basis, and those were Man. fun. Those are, uh, and those are throwbacks. Exactly, Oof. man. Those were some fun <laughs> tournaments every Wednesday or Thursday night. Uh, we would all get together, had like 30 plus people in the building, man. It was crazy. I never, but, uh, I never got to go to them, but I would always watch the stream, the Funky P streams Funky back P, then. Shout out to him. And it's yeah. crazy, too. Like, he has grown. Like, I've seen Funky P started from the bottom. Right, and like yep. literally witnessed the growth of like his stream and his production. Now he's doing like national level events, tournaments, or even conventions, and he's all over the world too, traveling. And it's hilarious too because what was it uh, last year? Uh, Battle and Brew asked me to come back and host tournaments for them, and guess who they brought back with them? Uh, with me. Uh, funky P. <laughs> so he never forget his roots. <laughs> it's cool that he, uh, you know, he he scaled up and did all his other stuff, but he still was cool enough to come back and do, you know, something like local like that. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, like it was unfortunate though. Battle and Brew, they were relocating at the time uh, when like uh, Street Fighter Four was popping. Mar- Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom Three just came out. And they had to close down their original location. And so for for a while, there was no tournaments going on in Georgia. Uh, Atlanta Revival, as you guys know, was defunct. There was nothing going on in that front. And uh, there was nothing uh, for a while. And then uh, my roommate now, uh, Walter, uh, he started Gwinnett Brawl. Um, and Gwinnett Brawl is was an established weekly tournament series dedicated for Street Fighter 4 and Marvel vs. Capcom 3. And I hopped on board, I think, a couple months after that they started. I mean, I knew Walter since high school. It's hilarious. Like, uh, we rode the same bus together, but we didn't know each other like that until we got into the FGC. <laughs> uh, so you didn't yeah. even know you played fighting games back no, then, I guess, I right? No, I did not. No, I did not. It was like him, uh, David Kim, who also uh, was a I friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and we all went to the same high school. Eddie Moo, Not Enough Damage. We all went to the same high school, and we just did not know each other. It's hilarious. We, like Every time I bring that up to people, they get a crack out of it. It's like, how did you guys even, like, become a formal relationship and not even know each other existed at that time? Well, it's just like, That's you know, wild. it's fighting games, man. And um, and so like uh, I wanted to hop on board because uh, the the main reason why I wanted to become a TO was because I knew what it felt like, you know, being new to the scene and not knowing anyone, you know, being nervous and everything like that. And so it was like anytime I met somebody who was the first time coming out to a tournament, I always greet them. I always try to make sure that they were comfortable. Uh, I got to play a couple of games with those players. I asked them a couple of questions, just trying to get them a little bit more acclimated. You know, know, because it's always helpful when you have someone that approaches that person first, because like, like when you're coming in for in the scene for the first time, you feel a little bit scared. It's yeah, it's a bit daunting. Yeah, for sure. Uh huh. And so it's like I know what that feels like. And uh, fortunately for me, when I first uh, uh, got into the FGC, I was in Kansas uh, when I started playing more and more seriously. Um, there was a Kaya Boss Max Hicks 
Um, he was a oh, TO yeah. in Kansas who's from Atlanta. It's hilarious. He was a uh, Shim Blanca's right hand man. And then he was yeah. running tournaments in Kansas uh, for trips to a final round. And uh, when I met him, I told him that I was from Atlanta and it's like instant connection right there. And he was like, you know, propping me up and everything like that, cheering me on and, you know, giving me advice, pointers, uh, telling me like who to talk to in the community to try to get more games in. And, and that advice has carried me through the entire time, man, because it's like, uh, gave me the courage to even ask, hey, you know, like uh, in the, the Kansas community, like, is it all right if I come hang out with you guys? You know how you got after the tournament, they have that uh, uh, after party, they go like go out to eat dinner or something like that. And so I yeah. just asked if I could tag along and they were like, yeah, man, come on, come on, tag along. And so, yeah, man. So I try to like uh, carry that with me uh, and, and then just uh, with Gwinnett Brawl, uh, they saw how active I was in regards to the community. I mean, and I, how passionate I was with wanting to help promote the scene and promote the uh, tournament itself. So they brought me on full time, and and because I'm, I was already friends with them, it was like kind of like an easy transition. It was like a seamless transition, to be honest with you. Cool, cool. Um, when was the first whenever? I'm trying to think. I know. I felt like I went to one of the early ones, but I don't remember the exact, like, if it was, like, one of the first ones. I remember the first Gwinnett Brawl was February 2012. I actually dug it up just uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, D.B. Joseph, do you guys remember him? The soccer yeah, player, yeah, Street Fighter yeah, 4? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so, still talk to him. Uh-huh, yeah, D.B. Joseph, he will always complain how Battle and Brew would not have setups. <laughs> Because <laughs> in reality, Battle and Brew had three setups maximum, and sometimes they would have fifty people, a fifty-man bracket to run through. Uh, and, and the tournament started at seven, wouldn't even finish till like twelve or one a.m. You know, <laughs> so it was not enough time to get any casuals in, uh, stuff like that. So I remember him. He he won our first Gwinnett Brawl tournament for Street Fighter Four, uh, and um, he had complimented us because david joseph rarely ever gives out compliments he's usually a most troll. of the time when he does he's trolling and so <laughs> yeah. it's like i don't even even know when to take it serious or not like. yeah but he was very very sincere about it he was saying that Gwinnett brawl was probably his favorite tournament that he went to only for the fact that it had set us like we had like six setups uh and then like we started early and like we ran through the tournament pretty fast and it's like people had enough time to get casual games in and it, it was fun man it was february 2012 that was our first tournament it was 2020 now so we've been going for about eight years and, eight and you years. guys have always been at wasteland uh wasteland gaming this whole time or did you start out somewhere else no the first tournament that we hosted was at a bowling alley which is literally down the block from wasteland oh, gaming boy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a bowling alley. Uh, it's like it's called I Love Bowling. Uh, I believe. Oh, I know you're talking of, about. Yeah, it's based off yeah. of I Love. Uh, yeah, there's an I Love Pho, a Vietnamese uh, restaurant right around the corner from Wasteland, and so it's in that same plaza. Uh, and uh, and uh, Walter and, and uh, David, uh, they were the ones who started Gwinnett Brawl. And unfortunately, they had to cut back on hosting those tournaments at uh, that bowling alley because the price to rent out that venue was too high. Like, it was extremely high. And 
the amount that we charged players to get in wasn't really covering that cost. So at the time, I was working at Jimmy John's, and I was doing delivery sandwiches, and I actually uh, delivered a sandwich to Wasteland Gaming. And I was like, I lived here in Georgia for, what, nine years, and not even know that this place existed. Because right. it's like hidden in the back, you can't see it. Yeah, like you can it's only know that away. it's exactly you. You only know that it's there unless unless you've been there before. And so I asked the owners there. I said straight up because it was a spacious uh, venue. Uh, they didn't really have uh, much going on at the time. I just uh, chat with them. I say, how would they feel about us having like consoles, games, or whatever? Uh, here along with the trading car community to see if you, we can bring more business for them. And they were uh, down with the idea. And that was like, uh, like, uh, like I said, like two or three months after we started hosting tournaments at uh, the bowling alley and mm-hmm. like Walter and David, they were on the verge of just canceling when that raw all together because of the cost. And we've worked the deal out with Wasteland to make it affordable and a deal that makes sense for both parties involved. And so, um, we moved uh with that brawl to Wasteland, and we've been there ever since. Man, yeah, I mean, I've I've never had any issues at that venue since I've since I've been going. So I mean, it's uh mm-hmm. definitely yeah, been working it, out. Yeah, it's been working out for us quite a bit, and there have been times where we're considering like moving or upgrading, or you know, because we're always fearful that you know Wasteland might run out of business or something like that. But it's yeah. never happened. Uh, we had to do some renegotiations only once with regards to the prices uh, for the venue, uh, only because they were giving us more space. Uh, mm-hmm. But outside of that, man, it's been a, a non-issue. Wasteland's been wonderful. So um, I think another, another, thing, another thing I noticed with you guys doing, like, uh, I guess to bring this up as well, like you guys were working with E-League as well? But yeah, uh, so yeah, uh huh. That was uh, when we've been established tournament organizers for a while. I think we're probably like four or five years, and um, we got a ping on our email uh, about E League uh, wanted to look for uh, people to help out with their uh, endeavors into fighting games, and we were like, "What is this?" And uh, we saw that E League was connected with Turner Broadcasting Studios. And they actually invited us out to dinner one day and to a fancy, fancy Korean barbecue restaurant. We were pretty, like, stoked. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, they asked us if we wanted to be part of their E-League uh, Street Fighter V uh, tournament series uh, to be able to host their amateur tournaments. Uh, you know, got, you guys are aware of the Street Fighter V uh, tournament uh, championship that they had here in Atlanta, yeah. Georgia, where they flew out was, I think, 32 players uh, to compete for, you know, the $250,000 prize pool. And so, yeah, and then they were tele- uh, they were uh, broadcasting all of those tournament matches on television. Uh, most of them were on uh, stream as well. And the production of that uh, uh, series was beyond what we have ever done before and what we have ever gone to. It was amazing. It, uh, it was, uh, it was super crazy. Like, cause I mean, it was to the point where, you know, we drove out there from, you know, that's mm-hmm. like a two and a half, two hour, 45 minute drive for us, man. We were driving out there just to spectate, you know, be a part of the tournament too, before that. But, you know, like 
it was just cool being in the audience just to see that stuff, man. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yep. You imagine yep. how we felt that they even had the nerve or even have you know the the um trust to hire us to help with running some of the, like that productions. Like not only did they allow us to run the, the amateur tournaments um before the actual live show went on air, uh they actually had us uh be uh what do you call it, uh the tournament organizer on stage. Uh, just to be able to make sure, like basically the referee, I, I, if, you, yeah. if you call it, uh, on stage to make sure that both of the players were set. Uh, they were established that there was no issues going on with the console or any uh, problems with net. Uh, what is it called? The controllers. Um, it was awesome, man. And um, they had kept us in touch um, for not just the Street Fighter Five event. Uh, but the Tekken 7 event and the Injustice 2, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a, the Injustice Pro, like Injustice 2 finals for that year. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, yeah, then the Street Fighter 5 as well. We got to take pictures uh, with uh, Punk and Tokido when they won the ch- uh, championships. It's like, that was really, really sick. Uh, that it, and they, they had no problems with us, wanted to, like, chat with the pro players. Uh, we like Musa and I. We even got to play some of the players while they were here, um, and Walter got to eat dinner with some of the players, uh, and so it was a unique experience that I'll never forget, and I'll be always thankful and grateful for them. So, uh, do you think like that opened up doors for the, like some for some of the like the Atlanta like organizers as well? Because like when I, when I saw you guys doing E League, and like Marco with like plus two on block. Uh, he will, his team was able to do the Brawlhalla World Championships as well. Mm-hmm. And do so, you think yeah. like that opened up like more doors for you guys to do more stuff? As if like you know, if someone came yeah, up to you, guys. I believe that 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 was the case for a majority of reasons. Uh, that experience probably did inspire a bunch of other uh, uh, players uh, to start their own organizations. Uh, wanted to have that passion to you know become a tournament organizer around Georgia itself. Uh, Marco even helped us with uh, with that brawl at a certain period of time. He was our second stream, and we were, were never we'll always be thankful for Marco because we saw the production level that he put into the stream and everything like that and had to up our game and everything like that. And then Marco decided that um, uh, there wasn't enough tournaments in Georgia uh, to sustain all the players that we had because we, like, let's be honest, we had, what, 300 players uh, at Gwinnett Brawl at a time at that point, and it was getting too yeah. fat. And this uh-huh. is before you guys were, like, like splitting up the games too yeah exactly like, you guys mm-hmm. were running smash Street smash. fighter tekken you know whatever games that were out there in that time all indeed in one day. yeah and it was getting too much to handle for us as well so yeah we did have to split it uh but then you know marco decided to split as well and form uh plus two on block and with plus two on block and Gwinnett brawl uh we uh operated uh uh, with a relationship uh, that we understood that, hey, they are going to host uh, tournaments on what well, fighting game tournaments on one weekend while we'll host a Smash, and then we'll host uh, Smash while they host fighting game tournaments on the other weekend. And so we will just alternate uh, games uh, to host so that way it'll give players more uh, time to or more pr- a place to practice and play and yeah. compete against one another. Mm hmm. 
So, and I guess like during that time and everything, you end up because I remember you used to work for uh, Bank of America, right? Yes. And so, mm-hmm. and then you got another opportunity to uh, work for Axis Replay. Yes. Uh huh. Axis Replay is a new gaming venue that just opened up recently. Uh, it's been open for about a year now, and uh, they primarily uh, it's like a land center. They have mostly uh, PCs. They have uh, 36 uh, uh, PCs that are state-of-the-art. Uh, they have eight PlayStation 4s. Seven of them are PS4 Pros. Uh, they have uh, 10 Xbox Ones. And uh, the, I got hired on, uh, I think, around June of last year. Uh, I think I got, I got hired on by Axis uh, to be their bookkeeper. Because um, I graduated from Georgia State as an accountant, and so I'm pretty good with math, keeping numbers, and, and keeping tracking and everything like that. But um, Axis found out about me because I actually ran a tournament with uh, Romanova and Plus Two on Block uh, called Earthworm Dojo. Uh, oh, yeah. Earthworm, yeah, Earthworm Dojo was the release of Mortal Kombat 11, and believe it or not, that was the very first tournament that Ninja Killer had actually played. Uh, uh, offline in his career, really, indeed. Yeah, because I remember like the big talk with him was is like when Injustice Two came out, he didn't really care too much for it, so he just kept playing like MKX. Mm-hmm. And so like everybody used to talk about how Ninja Killer was like was just finding tech more and more tech after the game came out and just still playing it. And then because uh, I, th- I don't I don't think he won that one, did he? Did he win Earthworm? I can't remember. No, yes, he did win Earthworm Dojo. Oh, he, he did win it? Okay. Team. Yeah. Like, he beat, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and, and at the his, time, his brother was there too, right? Yeah, I didn't even know who they were. Um, I seeded the bracket, and Forever King approached me, and he was like, hey, man, uh, why you got Ninja Killer ranked like 39th? And I'm like, uh, who is that? <laughs> Forever King was like, yo, man, this guy's ridiculous. You should have seated him higher. And like, I was like, I didn't know, man. No one even explained to me. Because like, I checked the uh, online tournaments. I I, I checked uh, previous tournaments. Um, I'm sorry, not online tournaments. I checked tournaments uh, that were done in the past. You know, notable yeah. players. I knew who Forever King was because he went to the E-League Championship Series. I knew who, like, Slayer was because he was part of Yomi. Like, I knew, like, who most of the, the players were. I just didn't know who Ninja Killer, Ninja Killer was because I didn't follow online all that much. And, um, and in all fairness, it's a pretty generic name, too. So it's like if yeah, you're looking exactly. at the bracket and you just see that name and, like, you have no, you know. Yeah, I just thought nothing of it. And, <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, he won the tournament uh, decisively at that. Uh, both uh, was it Mortal Kombat 11 and Mortal Kombat 10. He beat Forever King of both uh, games. Uh, and we had, I think, 120 people for uh, Mortal Kombat 11 for that tournament. And so it was Pat. It was a stat tournament, and he won. And Access Replay, they were proud of how many people showed up for the event. I think we had about 150, 170 people total. Um, and so they saw how hard I worked for that event and how much effort that I put on to make it happen and everything like that. And so uh, they were looking for a bookkeeper at the time because they had gotten rid of their uh, previous one. 
And I told them, look, man, if they're willing to hire me, I'll, I'll think about it. And at the time, I was like, I was getting ready to quit Bank of America to begin with. And so I just got the phone call and I said, all right, cool. Uh, so I joined Axis and I also helped run tournaments for them as well. So um, that never left. Uh, I still run tournaments for Gwinnett Brawl. I'll run tournaments for Axis. I'll run tournaments for Battle and Brew. It, it didn't matter to me. I just kept running tournaments no matter what. <laughs> man, this man is uh, always grinding. Hey, I respect that, man. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. He's definitely a hard worker. That's something that I definitely want to get into at, at a certain point because I know I'm not going to be able to play games competitively forever. And it's like, I would like to still be a part of the scene. And I mean, the thing with Bama is like, I don't feel like there's a time. I mean, we do have a few tournaments, but like, there's definitely, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's not a whole lot uh, as far as like tournaments and TOs for the state. So if yeah. it's even, even if it's not me running a tournament, I definitely want to help somebody else with, uh, you know, yeah, their endeavors so. and everything. And, I mean, that is a good way to stay involved with the community itself. Like, because when Marvel vs. Capcom 3 started to die off, like, we were receiving fewer and fewer entrants. Uh, it kept me staying relevant in the community. Like, even though like, Marvel was my main game, I still, like, knew people who played other games, like Guilty Gear, uh, Street Fighter 4, obviously, Tekken 7. Like, I mean... I've known Pochop for years, you know. I can always say that Pochop and I, we go way, way back. But Pochop has been part of the community even longer than I have. And so I, I commend him also for sticking around and being part of the community too because uh, he was the one that started Atlanta Revival. And yeah. he, he's been a pillar for the community. And even though he's taken a backseat in regards to hosting and TOing, he has his own stream. And he brings his stream everywhere. <laughs> so... Pokechop was one of the first people I ever fought in tournament. Uh, It was the Atlanta Revival I went to in, I think it was 2011. He was my first match, I think. He's either my first or second match then. (laughs) But, uh, man, that was was an experience. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Like, uh, with the Atlanta Georgia scene, there's been a, a, a variety of different opportunities. Uh, that I would say for a lot of players to step up. And even to this day, I'm seeing more and more tournaments popping up in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, we have the Making Tournaments, uh, Reboot Arcade. Uh, we have Zone Breakers in Fayetteville. Uh, we have, you guys already aware, Data plus two on block. Uh, 404 Esports, brand new uh, organization that just opened up in Metro Atlanta. Uh, those tournaments, uh, like Atlanta has been in a really, really good spot, uh, in regards to the tournament scene going on. And I've always been thankful for that, but I always tell the players, man, uh, don't take this for granted. I know you guys in Alabama understand that. Uh, to <laughs> oh, <a team>. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what I always say. Like, oh, you know, I'm in that, uh, I'm in that street fighter five chat for Georgia and I'm like, man, you guys. I mean, you guys got lucky. lucky. <laughs> exactly, man. Like, you know, I've been, like I told you guys, I've been into the Kansas community, and that was actually the, like, the first community that I actually joined in regards to being part of the FGC. And the Kansas community, man, uh, their scene is small. It's like, uh, it's like uh, on the border of Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas, right? Yeah. And they only have one one tournament weekly going on. And the players don't really travel as much. 
So it's like um, with that scene and everything like that, just being the big fish in the small pond was good enough for them. And I'm like, no, you guys need to go out and travel more and experience more. There's more or more uh, uh, competitive uh, aspects to the fighting games than just being a big fish in a small pond. And right. no, and, yeah. Oh no, I got my best. My best. But yeah, and like yeah, the Kansas community they starting to travel more, but here in Georgia, man, it's a whole another story. You got players on a national level that live here. So if you really want to be the best in your own backyard, you honestly are being one of the best in the whole country. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, like uh, a lot it's of crazy. strong players in multiple games than uh, uh-huh. I've ever seen. And so I always tell the players, man, look, if you ever want to get good at a game, just hit somebody up in the community. We're always here to help each other and help each other grow. And I mean, and that's also been a motivation for myself to, you know, to continue to stick around and be a part of this community because um, uh, our players are not uh, shy away from the competition. And, and uh, you know, we always try to build each other up to make us uh, stronger as a state instead of just as an individual. Right. So with all that going on, right, do you ever feel like a like, man – like you guys just have way too much stuff going on, at least in like in like just like the metro Atlanta area, right? Yeah, so that has been an issue for Georgia uh, recently. Uh, not out, no, you know what? I'll take that back. It's not recently. It's been a constant issue. I think with after Gwinnett Brawl uh, coming uh, into town, like uh, we have seen more and more tournaments pop up lately. Like it was, you know, plus two and block. Obviously, uh, we have. Uh, 404 esports. We have zone breakers. I already listed most of, not all of them, uh, that are active right now. But in the past, we also had Yomi Gaming. Uh, oh you guys remember Yomi? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Emotions. Uh, I don't yeah, think you guys ever one. heard of emotions. Yeah. <laughs> like I've seen uh, tournaments uh, come and go on a regular basis. Uh, round three gaming is another one. Um, and uh, round three gaming. Was the one ATL Benjamins? Oh uh, yeah, ATL that Benjamins was, was emotions, emotions, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was was a, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. And so um because of uh they no longer exist because there was oversaturation, there was just far too many tournaments going on in Georgia and which divided up the player base because not everyone is able to go to every uh, tournament each week. I mean, the video fee price for the tournaments is at least $10. So if you're trying to go to three or four different tournaments a week, that's $40 that you just spent right there. Not even considering like the driving or anything like that. Exactly. And And so it was wearing thin for a lot of us. Uh, That's why with Gwinnett Brawl, we started out as doing a weekly series. And then we switched to doing a monthly series um, for that very reason. Um, And uh, so we have to be careful with it because uh, we don't want to hurt our player base by having too many tournaments. Like, I know we have another series called Versus Realms as well going on too. And even Axis, we had to tone down with us hosting too many fighting game tournaments because uh, we were already affecting our turnout for our other tournaments and events. Like, um, is the truth of the matter is, it's oversaturation is an issue. Um, so you said versus realm, and like, mm-hmm. didn't they used to try to do tournaments before? 
Yeah, so they had tried to do tournaments in the past before. Uh, it didn't work out. Um, Plus Two Unblock was hosting tournaments there as well, but then they decided to part ways and host tournaments at another location. And then Versus Realms, I was approached by another organization called FGC Fight Club. Um, oh, yeah. I know you guys see those guys on Twitter. FGC Jesus is part of the uh, that Fight Club organization. And then, and so Versus Realms is partnering with them um, to host uh, fighting game tournaments again. And they are hosting mostly Samurai Showdown, Tekken 7, uh, and so uh, it's another one of those tournaments. It's like, was this really necessary? Um, but we like we can't uh, force people to not run tournaments or prevent it. Like, if anybody wants to run tournaments, that's their own you know choice. Uh, and I cannot fault anybody. It's just like our own choice to so run Gwinnett Brawl. I mean. Uh, at this uh, point in time, we just have to look at it as a competition. Uh, and one of the my hopes and dreams have always been to try to build an infrastructure in Georgia in order to help every tournament organization in our region, in our area. So that way, instead of us negatively affecting each other, um, that we, we will work together to um, build our scene uh, in a collective level because. I I want to have as many tournaments as possible. I'll go to each and every one of them. (laughs) It's it's about uh, making sure that everybody's trying to look out for each other. Nobody's like stepping on anybody's toes, and uh, Mm -hmm. you know everybody's got you know the community's uh, you know interest. Yeah, interest in mind exactly. And like, there's another organization. Um, that wants to open an esports venue that I went to last week. I went to uh, a roundtable, uh, two guys who want to open up a, a gaming center in uh, Cobb County, uh, which doesn't have anything out there yet. Uh, and and I was like, wow, another tournament or another organization that wants to have video games <laughs> in Georgia. <laughs> and I was like, look, man. Uh, I'll be more than happy to help you guys out, but uh, just be careful and just, you know, be mindful enough that there's already organizations here. Um, you, you just got to, uh, like, pick your battles. Make sure you understand that you have to have something that will encourage and entice people to come uh, to your event and your venue, uh, especially when there's already established venues uh, out here. Like, the most go-to venue, I would say, right now is for, for eSports. Um, uh, Greg, uh, who runs for, for esports, uh, not you, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah, I know the, the other Greg. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, he's been awesome. Um, he started, uh, he opened for business, I think was it last April or March and, yeah. and the player base here in Georgia have just loved him. And I mean, like, it, it's been awesome. Because his venue is literally dedicated for like casual gatherings and sessions. Um, it's a great spot for players to travel to. It has parking, has restaurants nearby. And Greg is a more as a down to earth guy. Like like I guess like the community likes that one of us type of mentality. Um, because Greg is, you know, um, he's always uh, looking out for uh, the fellow man. And everything like that, and helpful that he's into the same type of like things that we're into, like anime, uh, cart, like fighting games, uh, 
uh, what sports, football, and everything like that. So he, he's able to relate to us more so than you know for uh, than like someone like an Axis or something like that, you know. Right. Yeah. And then. And then also he's on social media 24 seven as well. <laughs> that's one thing that I'll say, like he, he's always, and that's the thing, right? So like, I know that, uh, you know, I'm not going to say who it is, but somebody's definitely said something about, you know, you know, some of the other TOs on social media, you know, not uh-huh. taking advantage of it, but yeah, that dude's always tweeting out, like always out there putting stuff out. So like, Definitely I don't blame him. Honestly, I, I I admire it to be like it, it brought m- my game level up as well because I don't really be on Twitter or Facebook all that much as well. And like I've seen him post nonstop too. I was like, you know what? I think this is actually the right way to do it, and oh, yeah. he's doing pretty good. And and like the community, like I said, man, they love him for it. And uh, they love him for the passion that he brings into our community. I feel like it's kind of lit in a spark in in our our community as a whole, uh, because I can see us uh, see our uh, community kind of like being stagnant in the sense that we were just getting the same players. We're always getting the same placings. You know, it was no no real change or anything like that. And Greg, yeah. uh, because of his uh, involvement with our scene, has actually gotten like several uh, new players to come out and and compete in tournaments and everything like that, and to be introduced to the scene. So you know, I think, like I said, I I, I don't blame anyone who wants to uh, start their own organization or anything like that. Like I'm all for it, 100. percent I only like only thing I ask is you know try to coordinate with other TOs in the region in the area, um, and Greg has also been a, an advocate of that. He has coordinated with Grenet Brawl. He has coordinated with uh, Access Replay, with Plus Two on Block, and everything like that. Man, so it's been a wonderful. Now I do want to ask a question because just made me think about this. Um, what do you think? is the key to um you know bringing new players because I, I guess that's the thing right the 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 hardest part is like trying to bring the new people in because you you know if you keep having the same players i mean yeah that's cool you, your attendance is is gonna you know be pretty good but like eventually you've got to start bringing new people in because other people are gonna stop playing at some point right so yeah, it's like, I'm, mm-hmm, because yeah we have work or you know family or something like that that brings up so you know the older generation more than likely is going to retire. I see where you're going with it. And yeah. like with trying to get the new players into the community, uh, that's a question that I've been asking myself since my involvement with the FGC community as well, because like I got involved with the community on a, on a whim. Basically, you know, I heard some kids play Smash and then they just introduced me to a website, right? And mm-hmm. so it's like I'm hearing stories all over the uh, like uh, tournament or uh, scene circuits that I go to, like CEO or DreamHack or Evo and stuff like that. And I hear the stories of how everyone got involved to the scene. It always starts with, oh, well, you know, I met somebody or I knew somebody or I went to a stream or, you know, just happened upon it on a Facebook post, uh, stuff like that. And it's like those are some resources that are able to get new players into the scene. But I think one of the best resources to get people to go out to, uh, and join the, the scene or become aware of, of that there is a fighting game community is by like going to schools 
And um, I've actually yeah. started doing that. I actually started going out to schools, high schools, middle schools, colleges, uh, just handing out like different flyers, pamphlets, and uh, just mouth to mouth, just telling people like, hey, if you guys like fighting games, you'd like to compete and everything like that, here are the spots. Come out and you know check us out and everything like that. And usually that will work. And the problem is, is though, when those players come out to the tournament to compete, Unfortunately, they don't win yeah. <laughs> like, like a certain somebody. <laughs> and so they, they they lose and get demolished. And so they're discouraged and then they're less likely to come back. And that's where, you know, people like me who come in and step in and, and like tell them, was like, look, man, I know you did poorly in the tournament, but if you still feel motivated to continue to play or if you want to get better and improve, then here, join our group, join our organization, join you know, Facebook. Like, follow us on Twitter, man. Uh, like, you know, stay tuned because I would hate to see you give up or stuff like that. And, you know, you can't convince everybody. Uh, however, there are those people that will listen and that will actively go out and, and, and work for it. And like I've personally witnessed it myself uh, a couple of years ago where Alex, our Blanca player, who uh, joined our fighting game community, Street Fighter Five. Um, while Street Fighter Five was at its prime, and he just started out playing, you know, like he's been playing fighting games for a while, but not competitively. And like, and Alice would get destroyed. He would like not win a single round or a match or anything like that. And that man would just keep coming and keep playing, and keep practicing. And then eventually, now like he's like one of our top five or top ten players in Street Fighter Five. He's in our, he's part of our Street Fighter League, Amateur League uh, tournament series. Uh, on a team and he has won every single match that he's gone up against. So um, that just shows you that uh, players who uh, uh, even starting out late, like they still have a shot and have a chance. It's about the want and the drive to, you know, to reach that point. And so yeah. it's our duties and our jobs to bring that out of players, to keep them motivated and keep them invested. I think that's the real responsibility of a TO. That's the, uh, you know, that's the hardest thing with fighting games, right? Because it's like, it's a genre that it's, it's not meant to be very like friendly to newcomers, right? Like it's because the thing is with Mm -hmm. with fighting games is you, when you lose, there's nobody to blame, but yourself, right? Like you Mm -hmm. can't really, you know, you play like, you know, any shooter or whatever, like a MOBA, you might have a team or whatever. You could be like, Oh, somebody else like messed up or whatever. Right. It's exactly. and you have to look at yourself and be like, yeah, that was me. That was the, you know, that didn't do this or I didn't do this or I, I don't know this. So that's why I lost. Like it's, it's rough, man. It's, it's rough getting past that. Like it's one of those things where once you get past the initial hump of like, okay, I'm bad, but I can get better. And like, once you get past that, like, I feel like that's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a feeling that no other video game can give you. I think, because it's like, there's always something to improve on with fighting games. I feel like there's never a point where you're at your peak, right? There's just there's just mm-hmm. always something you can improve on. So it's Indeed. like it, it takes a it's a I'm trying to think of a good analogy for it. It's like it's a it's a very steep hill to get over, but like once you get over that, then it's like then everything else opens up. You know what I mean? I think the simplest analogy you can compare it to is like riding a bicycle, man. Like mm-hmm. I remember as a kid growing up, riding a bicycle seemed impossible. Yeah. <laughs> and then once you finally get your balance, 
it's like it's second nature to you now. It's like you just mm -hmm. never forget it. And so that was one of the things too. What I learned uh, when I was working at Axis, uh, we were doing a summer camp program. And during that summer camp program, almost every single kid gravitated towards a shooter, Fortnite, a mobile game. And it was funny. There was just one little girl who insisted on wanting to play Street Fighter. I was like, what? <laughs> it was like a 12-year-old girl who wanted to play Street Fighter, man. I would, I would never forget this. And and um, she's, uh, I, I had her pick Cammy. Because, I mean, it's a character I play, and it was a character that was I, I easy like, to learn. I feel like you're being a little biased there. You could have had to pick any other character besides Cammy. Look, man, it, it was the easiest character to learn, so I had her pick Cammy. Okay. <laughs> All right. And, man, when I tell you how hard and how difficult and how time-consuming it was for her to complete a single bread and butter, and by bread and butter, I meant stand medium punch, Stand heavy punch, spiral arrow. You, like I spent two hours trying to get her to do that, and um, it, and man, it took a lot of effort for me to just not lose my patience, and for her to never give up. Which I was happier. I was more happy than anyone when she found out finally was able to do it. Like it took repetition and it took. Uh, uh, like you know, uh, learning how to do motions, learning how to like continually just to time uh, when she's supposed to press heavy punch after the medium punch to connect mm -hmm. and everything like that. And when she finally hit the combo, man, I think I jumped out of my chair. I was excited. She was happy, like just to see that expression on her feelings, like you know, in her face, uh, like how happy she was to finally hit that combo. It, I mean, it was a lot of joy, and I think that's where a lot of players, uh, that's where the frustration gets to because, like, they cannot get that part and get that combo down. So then they just imagine themselves as like, man, if I can't even get this combo down, like, how am I even supposed to win a match? You know what yeah. I mean? And so that barrier to entry, man, it's hard. It's rough. It's it's huge. And, and, and I feel like that's the most – uh, difficult in regards to getting newer players into the fighting games uh, because there's no real like way of teaching or helping players understand how the mechanics of fighting games truly work. Uh, I know when you guys like see someone who's a, a complete beginner who tries to play a fighting game, their first instinct is just to press buttons and mash, right? Yeah, just because really... it's just like you, you just want to keep... It's like, I guess the it's the old thing of like well, if I just keep pressing things, something's going to happen eventually, right? Exactly. Yeah, like an instant <laughs> gratification. I think that's yeah. why people like to gravitate uh, to shooters and to MOBAs because all you have to do is like press a, like a click of a button and something happens, you know? You're instantly doing something. Like mm -hmm. we're fighting games, you, yeah, you might be pressing punch and kicks, but those aren't really exciting, you know? Those aren't really things that make you go, wow, snap, like, you know, when you're doing a critical art versus, you know, or doing a fireball. And, and so, like, those take time to learn, and players these days don't have that time anymore. Um, and Yeah, that too. And, and, and it's starting to worry me a lot in regards to where the FGC community is at at this point in time is that the uh, the barrier to entry is so high and 
and you see more and more players gravitate towards other games and not towards, you know, the traditional fighters. Uh, I always make this comparison, like, uh, with Super Smash Brothers, right? You see Super mm-hmm. Smash Brothers is, has a boat ton of entrants. Uh, players, you can find them anywhere. Uh, it doesn't matter what age they are in as well. They could be five-year-old or they could be 30-year-old. You know, they know how to play Smash. Um, and I think the reason behind that is because with Smash, in order for you to do something like some type of action, something that cool or anything like that, you just press a button, right? Press B yeah. uh, or four B, and you're already doing a special, right? So I think and that I think that's why more players gravitate towards Smash than your traditional fighter. Because the barrier mm-hmm. entry is a lot. I wouldn't say it's a lot easier, but it's like slower. Okay. Yeah, it's lower. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. a lot lower. Yeah, it's so. it's uh anybody can pick up smash and just press stuff and things are gonna happen. You exactly. don't even have to, but there, obviously there's depth to the game. Yeah, but like, like I, I'll be honest with you, Smash is probably the hardest fighting game out of anything. Like at a competitive level, like when I see top players, you know, edge guarding, uh, doing combos, tilts, like getting all the like characters off screen and the movement in that game, it's beyond anything you have to do with fighting games. So it's like, it's crazy when you think about it. It's like uh, you have uh, twice as many players who play Smash than your traditional fighting game, but it's a harder game to learn. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it has like a very large, I guess, scale, right? Like it, it you know, mm-hmm. it, anybody can play it, but it's like there's also like a high enough skill gap for the people that really want to take it that serious. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. And uh, who doesn't want to see Mario beat the hell out of everybody else? So, yeah, <laughs> it also has that casual appeal of like it just has All everything that anybody who likes video games, there's going to be somebody in there that you know, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. it's like it's easy to find a character to, to gravitate towards. Indeed, agree. But I will never give up on fighting games. I think uh, with Capcom themselves and uh, with uh, what's the game, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, I think mm-hmm. their training mode or tutorial mode uh, has done uh, very helpful in regards to like teaching uh, new players like the basics of understanding the fighting games. I just think they they need they need to build upon that. Um, one of the mm-hmm. ideas that I thought about is that like how Netherrealms do, do it with Mortal Kombat and with the Injustice, you know that how they have a story mode right built into the game, and their story mode yeah. is pretty top notch. Like those story modes can actually like go for movies if they yeah. wanted to. And and uh, I think uh, with those story modes in NetherRealm games, they force you to play a variety amount of characters for you to get a feel and understand how each character works, right? I feel like developers should take that to the next level. I feel like they should be able to uh, put in trials or put in like uh, objectives in each mission or in each match uh, for you to advance towards to. You have to uh, achieve that objective during the match in order for you to advance to the next stage. So like, for example, uh, you have to block five times and then defeat the opponent in order for you to advance. Or if you have to do a fireball three times, or you have to do, you know, press light attack or something like that, or do a basic combo, like something that will teach players how to play, but keep them invested and keep them like engrossed into the game itself. And there's nothing really like that right now. Yeah. yeah, it's been a it's been a minute since 
Well, I mean, I guess we have MK11, but like, I haven't played the story mode yet. But it's been a minute since like another company's tried to actually do that to get like, like they capture that audience with their story mode because like, like what MK9 did it, everybody was just like, "Yo, this is so sick!" Mm-hmm. Like, like the story mode is so awesome. Hey, man. And then, and you like during that time, right? I think a big thing like everybody was like complaining about was like, man, like why do we need an arcade mode for you, or you know, why do we need a story mode for? We're just gonna go to training mode anyway. But most people don't realize like, hey, there are people who are not like who are, who are casual players, right? Exactly. They just want to play the game just to play the game. And so having that story mode into the game is like, I think it's crucial because you look at Mortal Kombat, right? Even mm-hmm. though sometimes their player base and tournaments are like not the greatest. But if you look at their sales and everything, like it's high. Yeah, they're high. They're all mm-hmm. higher than like, Axis. Street Fighter. Yeah, and I work at Axis. Uh, the most common game that a, a lot of our customers request is Mortal Kombat, a fighting game in general. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So and yeah. it's just it's just uh crazy to me. It's like the reason why is because they have a story mode built in and that's very engrossing and people like to do that and uh, play it. And I don't blame yeah. them for it. Like you said, the casual audience is, is a lot higher than the competitive scene. And I think in order for us to grow our competitive scene is to give the casual audience a chance, you know, just give them a chance to want to play the game. And once they learn if they like the game or not, then they'll decide it upon themselves whether or not to take their game to the next level. So if you don't even give those casual audience a chance to learn how to play the game properly, then you're never going to get them involved in the competitive scene. And like I think like, another thing I've been liking lately with like companies have been doing is like they've been advertising other events in mm-hmm. their games. Yeah. Even though like Street Fighter they, they just started doing it a lot more recently, but like in the there's there's stuff like in their files that like, hey, there's a woman saying final round. Like final mm-hmm. round like ATL or whatever. And like I wish uh, they, they never would, felt like, followed through with that, but yeah, yeah that would have been cool yeah. if they did yeah. that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it'd definitely been awesome if they would did that. Like but I mean I guess they, they advertise CPT events currently and like you know, right now they have the Intel World Cha- or World Open or whatever. They've got that advertised um, on one of the loading screens. I mean, they, I guess they're doing that yes. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Indeed. that way, they could definitely get the casual players who are like, well, I want to look more into like the competitive side. And so, like having that type of advertisement can definitely draw them, like draw them in. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how I don't know I don't know if MK11 does it or not. It has like anything like that. They do have like a, a screen that has like upcoming events and stuff like that on it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That okay. sounds good. Yeah, that's good to keep people like on notice about all the events that are going on. That's one way of letting the like players know like like this is how you get involved into the scene if you want more, you know, into it. Um but I'm th- I'm talking about just like getting people started with like wanting to play and everything like that. Like, I think another idea is, is that Capcom and most uh, all fighting game companies should adopt the free-to-play model. Like, look towards a, to Killer Instinct uh, and how they did their free-to-play model. Uh, they released a game on Xbox uh, One uh, for people just to try it out and see how they like it and, and whatnot. And now it's like, well, it has thirty. Well, it started with two characters, and now it's at thirty characters for Killer Instinct. Well, it was like it was more like eight, but uh, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I can't I remember. Up, I came up with a complete asshole. No, I like I used to. I used to. 
you know, I used to play like Killer Instinct, and like no, their model was great. So uh, if you didn't have if you didn't have like the the season one pass, they released mm-hmm. they allowed you to play that one. It like, was like a rotating character every week that you could play for free. So mm-hmm. until you bought like the little pass they had, um, you just play with a character is free that week, and so they rotate it every week, and they'll let you know like, hey, this week is Tusk, or this week is Jago, or this week is Saberwolf, and they uh, did a really good job with like really good job with doing it because like what Double Helix had it in the beginning, and like yeah. I thought they did an amazing job with that game when it first came out. Mm-hmm. So, and then yeah, the, the other. The other big thing was, I mean, again, it's free to play. So, like, the, the barrier of entry. So that's the other thing, right? Like, a lot of these fighting games, people have to drop 60. So, one, you have to either be interested in it. And then, mm-hmm. on top of that, you add the other barrier of, like, well, now you got to spend $60 on a game that you may, exactly. may not even like. Whereas, well, even, like, even with Killer Instinct, right? It was $20. But well, yeah, play, or you could yeah, just play it free, right? Try yeah, it you out play for free, free or 20 And then yeah. if you like... And if if you if you want all the extra stuff, right? I think you like extra care, like extra like like cosmetics, whatever. Then you just drop to forty and get cosmetics for all the characters for that season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that model was great. If like like we'll see. I don't know if the new Riot game will be free to play or not. But like I'm be, pretty I'll, sure they're gonna go that route. They'll be yes. free to play, and then people will either they can buy in with cosmetics, or there'll be some version exactly. that has all this other stuff that's added to it. You yeah, because you see uh, games like Fortnite, uh, over, uh, I think Overwatch is free to play now, right? Yeah, Fortnite, no. Overwatch. Oh, it's not? Okay, yeah. No. So Fortnite, League of Legends. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other game. There was another uh, mobile game that's are, are played on Battleground, right? Those games are all free to play. And I think one of the things that uh, why those games are so popular is because they're free to play. And the way that those games make a lot of their money off of is by those players buying skins um, and, and stages, cosmetics, or whatever for that game itself. And I, I think that, you know, the fighting game, they they can do that as well. There's nothing that will prevent um, them from doing that. Well, I know, I know DOA is not, like, they have free-to-play and they have, like, I think, I guess they kind of, like, Kind of adopted like the K the uh, KI model of like mm-hmm. switching out the rotating characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't know how their online community is or like or what the numbers are, but like they're doing it as well. Like, hey, you cool. can do this, or you can drop to sixty and get all the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because right now what it is the the issue is that you're not getting your game out to as many players as possible. I think with making the game free to play, then you're allowing more and more players to have access to your game. So that way, if they like it or not, especially if they like it, they'll invest into it. They'll start buying more costumes or buying more characters, buying the season passes and stages and all that stuff for the game. And then that's what you want more than anything is so that way like people can get that taste. It's always about like how you go to a restaurant or something like that, and you want to test something out, like get a sample, and then you get that taste. Like, no, the restaurant doesn't charge you for a sample because uh, they, they know that if you like it, you're going to buy it. So the yeah. same thing with fighting games, the same type of mentality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because of all the, you know, coronavirus stuff going on, it's been a lot of tournament cancellations and, um, you know, events, like venues, like shutting down temporarily and just things just... Yeah, it's definitely put a wrench in the in the community so far. 
Um, I guess one thing that I wanted to ask you about was, um, you know, one of the big reasons that people show up to these tournaments is for, you know, these pro tours, right? You know, Capcom pro tour, you know, Tekken world tour. And one of the first big things was these guys were just pulling out of events, like kind of left and right. And then after that, it was, you know, other, you know, events having to cancel because of this. Um, but I saw coach was talking about this on Twitter. So I thought it'd be a good thing to uh, bring up, but um, do you feel like with the, um, I guess the the trend of pro tours being so big and and being tied into some of these events. Do you feel like these pro tours that were a part of these uh, tournaments that have backed out or whatever? Do you feel like they have any obligation to these tos and event runners to help with some of the issues associated with you know um, you know lost revenue or lost money that was going to be you know part of the event? Should they have to help out some of these events or is that you know? You know, I uh, guess it's kind of a question about the dynamic of, you know, pro tours and TOs and tournaments in general. Yeah, like because in this day and age, pro tours either make or break an event. If you're a pro tour, yeah. then that means your event is going to be higher above than anyone else's. That means that more players are willing to go to your event versus if you're not a pro to- part of the pro tour. Right. And yeah, with this uh, issue of uh, all these tournaments being canceled, now that's that's the problem because. Uh, these companies and developers don't necessarily owe the TOs anything. Honestly, mm-hmm. the TOs should be paying the publishers and developers <laughs> some type <laughs> of fee and be part of the Pro Tour. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's not how it works. And I'm thankful for that because, you know, like I don't think uh, the developers should be charging any type of fee of being part of the pro tour because they are allowing the tos to run the tournaments themselves and the organizations themselves it was yeah, kind of free advertisement at that point for the game right exactly you know what I mean? uh-huh and so it's that type of mutual relationship that the the companies and developers have in regards to the actual players and the grassroots communities um and, I, and that relationship has been good so far that's why i don't know i don't think that the developers should necessarily help uh, the tournament organizers, if they have to cancel the event, or any, uh, only for the fact that is uh, the tournament is still on that uh, organi- organizer. Now, right. if like Capcom or if Nanko Bandai, if they had to actually put money into the event itself and the tournament itself, then I can see them stepping in to try to make something happen, you know, make it work. But I don't necessarily see Capcom or Nanco actually putting like their own money or their financial resources into these tournaments. Uh, honestly, it's just allowing those tournaments to be part of this uh, circuit. Uh, and then I think the only money that they usually put in is just a, the pop bonus. And that's about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't, so they might have copies of the games or something they give or whatever, but outside exactly. of that, that's all they're, I mean, they're not giving. They, some okay. of them make in their own like streaming that, team. Uh-huh. Yeah, Capcom does a, they have their own stream team, which I, I can see that being an issue um, because it's like Capcom is making money off of the stream of the event itself, and I, I don't necessarily see the fairness of that. that um, that's another thing that you just that made me think about because it's like if, so say for instance in like the case of Final Round, right, they had, last year it was part of Capcom Pro Tour, they run the tour. They run the stream um, on the their Capcom's channel. Yeah, on yeah. Capcom stream, right? So while they're using their event, 
It's not like Larry's getting any stream revenue or ad revenue from exactly. Doing. It's just that's, I guess that's part of the contract of being part of the portal. Yeah. It's like, you know, and that that's the negotiations that has to go on with those organizations. Yeah. Uh, however, what I do notice and what I have seen is the effect and value of the pro tours that are taking on, on uh, local tournaments, uh, like small tournaments, like for for esports and Gwinnett Brawl. Like I've seen uh, more and more players are starting to save up their money uh, to go out to the majors that are part of the pro tours instead of attending to the uh, to the local tournaments uh, because what it is is that. Um, as I mentioned before, not everyone can afford to go to each weekly. Uh, and now everybody's seeing the high level value that they're getting off of going to these pro tours, like combo mm-hmm. breaker CEO has stepped up their production level to a, like phenomenal level comparing to like E-League, you know? So instead of just going out to uh, compete in a tournament, you're actually getting like an experience. And so it's like a mini vacation. So like, Instead of going 0-2 or 1-2 at your local weekly, I'm going to just save my money and I can go 0-2 at CEO and I get a better experience. <laughs> yeah. Which and, is unfortunate and, because that obviously that hurts, you know, the, the local community. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's I guess that's just kind of the reality of it maybe. I don't, mm-hmm. I guess. And, and, like, I'm fearful of it because I'm starting to see uh, less turnout for our locals uh, as the time progresses. And now with the whole coronavirus issue, uh, we have tournaments that are canceling or are closed uh, altogether, but you still have people who wanted to play and compete. So now people are resorting to online tournaments. And yeah. I'm starting to see the uh, organizations starting to pop up with online tournaments lately. And, and I'm like, wow, okay. so. Like the argument I always hear about whenever I bring up the topic, locals are dying, people are going to stop going out to locals, is that players are willing to still come out uh, for the social experience, right? Like you can Mm. never get that when you're playing online. You'll never get that same type of feeling of being around your peers or being around a a community that are in the same interest in you. You don't get to hear like the blow-ups, the pop-offs, or, you know, the excitement, like feeling... uh, uh, and like being a real world environment, right? Um, right. You know that that that's uh, understandable. It's true. Uh, however, I do believe that comes at a price. And right now, I think players are starting to realize that price can be a little bit too steep or too high and too costly. And so, once again, it's like, do I really need to go out and hang out with my friends tonight when I can just play them online, like? Uh, and I feel like with the net code, even though the net code for Street Fighter Five is not as good uh, as it can be, you still see people are willing to stay at home and play online instead, though, right? And and with Street Fighter Six, who knows? The net code will probably be phenomenal. It'll probably be one one. We don't know that. So is, is, if the net code is phenomenal, if it is great, uh, are people still likely to go out to locals? I, I hope so. I that's really a, hope so. Yeah, that's the that's going to be the thing, I guess. It's like, and and I don't know. I, I don't know if there's if there needs to be if it needs to be on the tos to come up with better ways to incentivize people to want to come out. To mm-hmm. I mean, like, because at that point, like, what do you do? You know, like, um, I know stuff like I don't know how well 
like ram bats do as far as keeping people motivated to like continually show up uh, exactly. doing things like that mm-hmm. um but yeah i guess that's, at that point it's kind of up to the tos to figure out okay well you know what what can we do that will keep people engaged and wanting to show up every single week right or you not even every single week but like you know enough to to still be a part of the community rather than you know be only online i mean online is good don't get me wrong like mm-hmm. it's a good tool it's like vital in becoming like a, a better player for sure but i feel like you definitely have to supplement it a bit sometimes or you don't necessarily have to but to have so, casual gatherings still and everything like that yeah supplementing and, it with that is also an important part of uh improving as well agreed Agreed. And then one idea that I have had uh, thought about to try to spice it up a bit, because as I said before, it's like our scene has become a little bit stagnant, uh, seeing like the same players who get the same placings and everything like that, is to try to hold different type of tournament formats, you know. We haven't ran a team tournament. In, in I was forever. about to say that was one you of know? my favorite things was uh, doing the team tournaments. Uh-huh. Um, I forgot when the last one was that I went to, Think- but Mm-hmm. Like I did it's a format cool. where it's like, uh, uh, like I seated all of the players, right, and then like the high seating players would have to partner with the lower seating player, mm-hmm. and like it was funny. A duel who's our lowest seating player, he won his first tournament because I think he partnered with uh, I want to say either Terrence or Isafeth or somebody, or, you know, one month. And he won <laughs> Gwinnett Brawl because <laughs> I got carried. <laughs> hey, look, we I take won. those. Hey, yeah, that's exactly. But no, but uh, but it was fun though, and they everybody enjoyed it. Uh, it was awesome, and I think uh, with the Street Fighter League, the amateur league that I'm part of as well, uh, the format that they have for it is a wonderful format. Um, what it is is the Street Fighter uh, Amateur League is uh, a team-based tournament where there's I think, 16 cities uh, that are part of this uh, event, and that each city has to have a five five players uh, for their team. And what it is is that we go up against another city, and it's Waseda style. So each player has to play. They have to play right. a match. Like player one of team A has to play player one of team B and so on and so forth. And then uh, what it is is that we don't know the other team's roster or their lineup and how their order is until like an hour before we play. So not only that, does it allow like players to uh, – every player matters, like every player counts. Um, it's not – like it's – the team is strongest at its as its weak weakest link, right? Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah. And and so you also have to strategize. It's like okay, so uh, they have uh, Falk or they have an Abigail on their squad. So who are they likely going to pit first, Abigail or Falk? Probably Abigail because they want to start on a high note, right? They want to get that first win right off the bat, and Abigail is hard to beat. So they're going to probably start Abigail first. All right, so who on our team? is good enough to fight against Abigail. So it's like that kind of strategy involved with that uh, format. So I think that's wonderful. And it keeps everyone engaged. Uh, Every player matters because every person has to play. Uh, I think that will get people motivated to uh, come out uh, if we try to do some type of format like that, Uh, if they're not always dependent on having to win by themselves. Like like we just said earlier, how players kind of get frustrated with playing fighting games because if they lose, 
then it's all on them, right? But yep. with this team-based format, you know, they still have a shot at winning, even if they do lose, you know. And their team, if they feel like their teammates or their partners are stacked pretty strong, they feel a little bit more confident with themselves. And actually will probably play better because of it, you know. Yep. It's less, uh, you, you feel like you got less weight on your shoulder or you have somebody else to kind of, you know, help you out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, And, and right. it also, it, it kind of gives a sense of camaraderie because now you teammates, so it's like you can kind of root on the other person. So it's like, you know, you kind of develop friends that way as well. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think that's where the future of fighting games is leading towards uh, with uh, Capcom, with their SFL, like their actual SFL league, uh, where they have the team-based, you know, three versus three uh, type format. Uh, and I think what it is is that they're testing it out to see if this is a viable option going forward with esports uh, because you're st- they're starting to model their esports based off of Overwatch, off of Call of Duty, and how those games have, you know, team-based players, uh, team-based matches. And I think with this type of format, uh, you you kind of get a little bit more excitement out of the audience, uh, have something, like, to cheer for. Like, I know if you guys saw the lineup for this new SFL series, like, my team that I'm cheering for right now is, uh, what is it, Problem X, Smug, and who else was on that team? Like probably a uh, knuckle deuce, problem is smug and knuckle deuce. Like that team is yep. stacked, and I'm I'm cheering for that team all the way through. <laughs> 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 and, and so I think I think with this new format that they got going on, it's it's probably going to be the key uh, uh, future of Street Fighter in the uh, going forward. Hey man. You know, uh, I, I want to say one thing. Hey, hey, remember, remember back in the day, there is how during the Marvel we used to like go to Steve's house or like go to Marcus's place and like yes. just have people crack out. Uh huh. You know, and like Marvel. Yeah. I, do you think there's any chance like people start doing that today for like whatever games they may play, like Street Fighter or like? I mean, KB uh-huh. was doing that, but he kind of uh-huh. he kind of stopped for a while, so it oh. didn't really pick back up. But well, yeah. I think Darius yeah, have been doing stuff at uh, Access for a little bit. Uh-huh. KB um, was doing it uh, for a, or a bit. Like he was having house sessions, uh, but he moved, so he had yeah. to kind of put that I'm, on pause. No, I'm talking about I'm mm-hmm. talking about like for like a full weekend, like right? weekend. From, like, oh man, Friday. I don't know if we'll ever from, see that happen again. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think right. that's, that era has passed. I don't yeah, think, I think I what it is is that we just that. gotten older, man. It's just the priorities and yeah, everything. It's, definitely, that's definitely. It's, Unfortunately, we got to work the very next day. Is nowadays like back in the day, uh, we just had school. I, we could just. Skip I don't know about working on weekends. I, <laughs> what's, yeah. what's working on the weekends? Do you know what that is great? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, well, not anymore. But uh, <laughs> like man, I remember those days vividly. I, you know, Drug Fox, right? He was my sensei yeah. for Marvel versus Capcom three, and he was the one that basically trained me and made me become a great player in that game. And, uh, man, I used to go to his place uh, at Georgia Tech, like, every day. And I would just crack out and play uh, Marvel for hours. And I meant hours. Like, we wouldn't even think, like, to drink water, eat food, or anything like that. We would just be so absorbed in that game. And, I do like, we would lose track of time. Before you know it, it would be like, 3 or 4 a.m. the very next day. 
I'm like, all right, all right, Sammy, I got to head out. <laughs> <laughs> those were the oh, days, man. man. Uh, I don't know if those days are, are coming back or, you know, still continuing, but just the fact that we still have gatherings is more than enough, I feel like. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um. All right. Well, you got anything else, Tim? Nah. Just, uh, just join my OnlyFans. Just subscribe to my OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think we're good on that. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Honestly, I need to start traveling again. That, that, oh my goodness, that's something else that I meant to bring back up as well. It's about uh, our scenes traveling. Um, with Plus Two okay. on Block, they started this circuit where you have to attend tournaments uh, to nearby states to earn points uh, to yep. attend like a finale event at the end of the circuit. And I think what they're trying to accomplish is to revitalize that aspect of traveling towards turn- to tournaments. And I remember back in the day where it was like Georgia would travel to Alabama, North Carolina, Florida, Tennessee on a weekly basis, man. And mm. that's all but gone. It's like, I don't know, when was the last time y'all saw Georgia players in Alabama? Atlanta don't travel. Exactly. I think he came uh, like in 2018 one time to like Birmingham. And I, it was uh-huh. like the last time. It was either 2018 or like 2017. But it's been a, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a long minute, man. I remember back when I was in college for Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Like, you could catch me everywhere. I would be in North Carolina one weekend. I would be in Birmingham one weekend. I would Look, be in Tennessee. I don't uh, mean to cut you off, but yes. I don't want to be disrespectful. But yes. Payne by and Bates did come out to uh, Auburn this year. Or, no, it was last year. Oh, yeah, that don't count. That don't count. Yeah. That don't count. Because Marco, yo, when Marco brings everybody, he brings everybody. Exactly. You know who's but I'm talking about like hardest? It's Bates. Bates has been pushing that circuit the hardest. Uh, and Marco, like they both uh, t- talking to me about it. There's like they want they wanted to do that circuit to revitalize us traveling out more often. And I I, I respect them 100 percent because I've missed that man. I would yeah. come out like out shoot. I want more of us to start traveling out uh, to tournaments uh, and to compete against other players in different states because you know you get tired of pre- playing against the same people over and over again. And you, like playing different people, you learn new experiences, new techniques, something that it, like the your own homies can't block. Uh, these guys, they can block it. So you're like, oh, wow, I got to figure out something else how to beat these guys, you know? I think from an outsider perspective uh, for Georgia, I think the thing that was kind of uh, – a, I think it goes back to the thing where – you guys are really privileged to have a lot of strong players within mm-hmm. your area. So it's like yeah. to say, well, let's go out to Alabama to go play, you know, uh, granted we don't have big numbers, but you know, I get it. It's like, you could go to your local and play like, you know, three of the best players in the country, or <laughs> you could come down, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or you could come down to Alabama and play like, you know, eight people, you know? So it's like, hey, I, I guess I, I yeah. get it. I know. I you know. 
I've done that several times, man. I would travel because <laughs> 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 oh, I would lose to not enough damage and Roach King here in Georgia. So I was just like, you know what? Let me dip. <laughs> Let me go to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I need the confidence. Pick up on Cal and pick, uh, pick on Marcus and pick on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. Sometimes you got to go out of state and see that pick me up. Like, hey, man. I'm like, damn. Like, I, I oh, suck. I, then I you know, go right? out to another yeah. area, you go win. I'm like, hey, man, you know what? Maybe I'm not that bad, you know, not as bad as I thought I was. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I get that feeling every time I enter that Reddit tournament, man. Like, was it Greg? Yeah, you you and I played. I got seventh in that tournament. Yeah, it's like, man, uh, I got in what second in that tournament three times, and I'm like, man, just getting second in that tournament is really hard. But I'm like. I can't even get second at my own Gwinnett brawl. It's like that's just a level of difficulty. <laughs> right, look, man. Being compared to the, the I haven't that. I haven't played in the Reddit like weekly in a minute. I know, Tim. You, you usually do compete in those. You yeah. stop for whatever reason. I don't know why. His, his internet is suspect right now. So oh, that's, that's why. That, okay. yeah, it's, it's suspect. And then I just got tired. I just got tired of just like I see. Getting eighth place. Every week, well, you gotta you gotta get over that hump, man. I mean, yeah, man. I did. I mean, look, I did. I did. I did. This, I did defeat some demons. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I had some, you know, some monkeys on my back. I gotta get get them off. Yeah, it's like I think Adam stopped competing. Well, he did compete last week, but he doesn't compete anymore because it's like he won too many of them. I was like, yeah. man, I just want to win one. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think the best I've ever done is got second place. Yeah, I got. Like, like I told you, I got second three times. Three times. That's the worst, man. It sucks. Yeah, it does. It really does. Like, Greg, you got second in your first tournament back in God knows how long. I don't remember the last time you competed in it. It's been a minute. I definitely <laughs> stopped doing it for a second because it just takes so long, man. It's yeah, like, it does. It really does. Yeah. And it's like, it was kind of shocking that I had to play you. Like, I saw the the way the racket was going, and I, I actually was getting tired and tired as I kept progressing, and I was like, man, if I run up against Greg, I hope I lose. (laughs) (laughs) I I I wanted to beat you. I did want it to beat you, and I was depressed and discouraged when I didn't. But I was like, you know what? I think that was for the best. (laughs) Yeah, it's rough, man. Like, I was streaming when I was playing, and so it's like trying to, like, be engaging on a stream and then playing a tournament, and then the it just runs so long, man. It's like, mm-hmm. man, it, man. That's the only thing. I mean, shout outs to our Street Fighter. I mean, I love what they do, and uh, I mean, it's a great, it's a great resource being able to have that consistent online play. You know, yeah, every man. week you have a bar that you can go to and be like, all right, how am I doing this week? How, you know, how, can I get, can I improve from last week or whatever? Exactly. Can I beat this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I commend the uh, Reddit Street Fighter, man, because it's like. Just doing it out of the the passion of, for the community and for the love of the game, like there's yeah. no compensation for doing any of that, uh, and we need more people like that in the community uh, to feel uh, about their game, uh, to want to uh, be more motivated to go out there and, and provide players uh, some type of uh, content or to latch onto. And um, like I said, man, that's just one of the uh, ethics of being a TO, a tournament organizer, 
is wanting to provide a community uh, 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 something to like latch on and play. Yep, totally. Uh, all right, cool. Well, I think I'm into here because I actually need to eat. But uh... uh-huh. no, I pre- <laughs> once again, guys, I, I appreciate you guys for having me on. I hope I was a good uh, guest. Um, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. Uh, he definitely had some good insight and some uh, some interesting stories. So I think it was a, mm-hmm. I think it was a good Indeed. episode. Um, yeah. All right, so quick stuff, uh, Darius, you want to plug your social media where everybody can find you at? Anything you got going on? Uh, yeah, so uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at adapt uh, underscore zero nine. Or I think it's just Adapt09. Uh, and then on Facebook, Darius Patterson. Um, I also have a Discord. It's DAPVIP, D-A-P, V-I-P, uh, number 4709. Uh, also, I am hosting our Street Fighter League Amateur League uh, tournament for Atlanta versus Phoenix. We are in the semifinals. Uh, top four, baby. Um, oh, yeah. We, yeah, we play next Tuesday. Uh, oh. We're probably going to be playing at 9 o'clock Eastern time. It'll more than likely going to be catching it on Super League stream. Super League has asked us not to stream it on our local channels because they're going to actually produce it. They're out, they're having Tasty Steve and Vicious uh, commentate on those matches as well. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. And, hey, look, man, if we win this tournament, we're one step closer to a pizza party. So, you know. <laughs> and the jerseys. You got to remember yeah, that. You and get the, the jerseys. And the, yeah. We, no, we all get jerseys. We still haven't gotten them yet. Apparently, they uh, said okay. they, they, they mailed them out. So, we're just waiting on them. But with the, the winner gets jackets. That's what it is. The oh, winner cool. gets like, custom uh, okay. jackets. So, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Looking forward to it. I think our team has a good shot at making it to the finals. Uh, Phoenix has an Abigail player and a Dawson player, Ikita. Um, nice. I think that's going to be the biggest issue. I think that Ikita could probably run through our whole team. <laughs> hey. Uh, we'll hopefully my teammates don't let players. that discourage them. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, oh, you got Twitch too, right? Uh, yeah, so we have a Twitch channel, Gwinnett Brawl. Uh, GB Dojo is the name of our Twitch channel. Uh, make sure you guys follow us. We host tournaments uh, twice a month. Uh, fighting game tournaments are usually hosted at the end of each month, and Smash tournaments is usually hosted at the beginning of each month. However, we are on hiatus due to the coronavirus. But once uh, we get the clear ahead, uh, you can always find our schedule on Facebook, uh, Gwinnett Brawl, and on Twitter under GB Dojo. Uh, then also with Access Replay, you can follow us for events as well. Um, right now, we're doing a Call of Duty event on Thursday. Uh, it's actually an online Call of Duty event, 2v2. Um, if you guys want to join the uh, Call of Duty, if you guys play shooters or anything like that, uh, just uh, follow Access Replay on Twitter and Facebook. All right, cool. All right, Tim, where can, uh, where can people find you at? Hey, man. Uh... You can follow me on Twitter at 4HTim. Catch me on Twitch. Maybe catch some uh, Street Fighter tomorrow alongside with some uh, with some Ori and the Blind Force. A I rare don't... Tim stream. Hey man, I have time now. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not working out of state. So uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. No, on Twitch at uh, no, twitch.tv slash. 4H underscore Tim. And, uh, you know, probably catch me on my OnlyFans as well. Uh, definitely not. Okay, I tried. <laughs> All right. 
you guys can follow me on Twitter at Boombox Hero. Uh, YouTube should be Magnegro. Uh, Twitch is twitch.tv slash Magnegro with a zero instead of an O. And uh, if you guys have any suggestions or any feedback for the show, uh, you can send it to uh, halfcirclebackpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you guys have any other suggestions, you can also reach uh, either me or Tim on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter, so not not hard to find. So uh, other than that, I think uh, I think I think we're good. So Darius, once again, man, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you guys and, for uh, having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. And uh, yeah, with that, uh, we will call it it.